This morning, I want to speak on a subject that I speak very, very humbly on. Uh, It is suffering. The text that I'm going to preach from in particular is not one that primarily deals with suffering as we may understand it, but has some biblical perspective to offer that might be helpful to those of us who um, life has affected in one way or another. We know pain, we know loss. If you haven't yet experienced significant pain or loss, it's no need to feel guilty. Uh, You don't have to suffer to be Christian, but there's an inevitability to suffering, uh, to life as a Christian that does not somehow make our lives free from pain. And I think that there is a gap in our spirituality in the West in particular when it comes to this area, and we tend to do two things when we suffer. Either God must not exist or he must not care. And when that happens in our lives, we tend to reveal perhaps what I think is not a New Testament understanding of what it means to follow Christ. And so this morning, I do not share somebody who is an expert in the area of pain and suffering, although I have my fair share of experiences. But as I look in this audience, I see that there are many of you who are familiar too with what it is to experience loss and pain. I trust this morning that God's grace would enable to say what I cannot say, but that he would, through what I have prepared, speak to someone here today. Would that be your prayer too? Hear the word of the Lord, Romans chapter 8. I'm reading from verse 18. This is the Apostle Paul. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope. That the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, He also glorified. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? 
He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died. More than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the word of God. Father, this morning, uh, I enter into this time of sharing uh, with a great sense of dependence on your spirit. There is a mystery to suffering that um, escapes my understanding. And yet there is a hope that we do not suffer in vain. That your great redemptive plan takes into account all aspects of life, and in particular those aspects that are hard and difficult. So I pray today that you would expand our spiritual eyes and hearts Perhaps for those of us who have personally been affected by trial and experiences of suffering or pain in recent past, I pray that there would be an extra measure of grace to discern your presence and your redemptive purpose amidst our pain. I pray for those of us who are in a good season of life that we may never take for granted the blessings and the grace of such seasons, but that we too may draw close to a deeper understanding of what it means to follow after you. May you give us the capacity to endure suffering while holding on to hope. May you give us the strength to live faithfully amidst persecution. May you birth within our hearts a depth of love and joy amidst the harshness and the pain of a world who rejects you. Only you can do this. We ask this by your spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. I think that the Christian life without a theology of suffering, and by suffering I mean the things that call us, cause us distress, pain, the ultimate suffering, death, is a fragile and perhaps even a naive spirituality. In the West, I believe, and I think this is true and fair to say that we are not threatened by persecution for believing in Jesus. Uh, we know that such threats do occur in our world, but for most of us in Canada, in the West in general, this does not appear to be the greatest threat to believing in Christ. In fact, I would say that the appeal of opulence and comfort probably is a more significant threat to faithful living. But I think it's insidious because what it does is it paints for us a picture of the Christian life that says God is concerned about how comfortable we are, and that we have everything we need. I think the results are a vacuum in our Christian spirituality. 
a gap, if you will, a space that needs to be filled by a biblical understanding of suffering. You see, when there is a gap in our own spiritual walk, when it comes to pain and suffering, what happens when we are affected by things that go wrong, when we experience loss, is we determine that God must either not exist or he must not care. We tend to then struggle in those moments with understanding where is God amidst the hard things. I thought that, and this might be the train of thought that is true for many of us. I brought this stool out because I wanted to be cool this morning, but I realize I won't see my notes if I sat on it. So, so you have the non-cool pastor this morning. But in times of suffering, even you know, great theological perspectives are challenged. You know, I, I suspect this morning that for some of us, this message might be something we treat on the philosophical level because right now life is fine, so it's not personal. But for many of us who have experienced suffering, we're not asking the philosophical questions of the problem of evil necessarily. We're asking why did I have to go through what I'm going through? So let me frame for you a biblical perspective of suffering. I know it's a very different message. Is that okay with you? You say amen. The biblical witness teaches us that Israel's salvation history, in other words, from their exodus to the promised land of Cana, is a journey that was not made without pain and loss. Israel's prophets often spoke God's word to the people amidst their suffering. The psalmist, if you want to find a place where you'll see depressive words, anguish and anxiety, Read psalms of lament that often remind us that even for the psalmist, there were times in his life where he could not understand why he was enduring what he was enduring. And while the biblical witness seems to repeatedly tell us and warn us that the spiritual life is one that has to make room for the place of suffering, we appear to be impoverished in this area when suffering touches our life. A sociologist, and this should please my Professor Friend this morning, who I won't name because he doesn't like that. Christian Smith, in his research on young American evangelical Christians, concludes that many evangelical Christians in the United States in particular, and dare I suggest here in Canada, who profess faith in Jesus Christ, practice what he calls a practical deism. This is what Smith means by it. He says, practical deism is this. It's a religious perspective that places the responsibility on God to meet my needs. Stated differently, and a bit more crudely perhaps, God owes us a better life. Except perhaps the more villainous people. He exists to serve our needs. He exists To make our lives better. We stand at the center of life. And God then has to serve whatever our purpose or needs may be. I know this sounds harsh to say. But I see aspects of practical deism in my own theology. There are many times where this particular approach to my Christian life has created more frustration and anguish than it has brought comfort. You see, because the world does not revolve around you and me. I'm very concerned with my children, and I'm concerned in a healthy way. (laughs) No, you didn't do anything wrong, guys. They both just looked up with me with that look of, oh, no. Uh, There's a sense in which, as a parent, you know, you want your children to have the best in life. 
You know, I, I didn't grow up with much, so I want to I give my children so much more than I had. And in many ways, they do have more than I had. When they were born, my style and the style of clothing I, I, I used to wear just went down the tubes, you know. And uh, uh, the investment was more in them than it was in my. It's a natural thing that happens, you know. And you make time for them. You, you, you orient your life around your children. Ask any parent here. You, you have to look at your schedule and say, where do my children have to be next? And, and there's a part of parenting that is sacrificial. It's a wonderful way to learn uh, grace and mercy and patience and all of that. I was actually being serious, but it is funny, isn't it? So is marriage, you know. But the one thing that I do not want my children to grow up believing is that the world exists around their felt needs and that everything is about themselves. And yet somehow this insidious idea has crept into our spirituality that somehow God exists to make that possible. If we can't do it, confession it by our hands. In other ways, we now serve God in order for God to somehow reciprocate and do something good for us. Now, don't let me discourage you too much. I do believe that God does meet needs. I do believe that God delights in blessing his children. But certainly, when we approach our spiritual life from the perspective that I am the center of it, that I am the focus of it, I think we have very little room to deal with when life goes wrong. So this morning... I suspect there are two types of persons sitting here, if I may be as bold. The first person who's sitting amongst you is the person whom life is relatively good. Thanks be to God. Can I get an amen? In this present season of life, there is no loss, there's no pain, there's no major suffering and no major setbacks. The challenge as you hear the word this morning is that you may think that somehow your state of well-being is related to decisions you've made or character choices you may tend to think that you deserve to be in the place you are because somehow you've evaded some of the nonsense that other people have made themselves familiar with and the biblical witness will tell us that evil affects absolutely every life that suffering will come it's an inevitability in fact i want to say it to you with hope right because it can sound pretty dramatic it's like wait for it it's coming Oh, thank you, Pastor, for that encouraging sermon this Sunday. But you live life long enough and you'll realize that you're not in control of it. You know, I've learned that, and you, many of you have learned that, sometimes uh, the actions that I take result in brokenness and hurt for me. Sometimes I have nothing to do with things, but it goes wrong. And so there's this false sense of security and this false sense in our own thinking when we think life is good that sometimes it's just on account of us being somehow a little bit more special. I think that's a false assumption that leads to incredible turmoil when our lives are affected by things that are beyond our control. For us who are in a good season of life, we may consider a message on suffering as a philosophical one, one that we discern and talk about as a matter of discussion but then there's people amongst us this morning for whom this is not a message about philosophy their present present circumstance is impacted by pain loss or disappointment if you're such a person here this morning and you're sitting here amongst us you are not necessarily asking the problems of evil which are why does good things or bad things happen to good people but on a personal level you may be asking How do I make sense of God amidst my suffering? I want to suggest to you that God's plan for creation has never been suffering. That something has gone incredibly wrong in the fall. 
but that somehow God's plan to redeem and restore this world means this, that even in our pain and our suffering, God's redemptive plan and his purposes can be unfolded. There is a sense in which Christians have a greater capacity to deal with suffering when they believe this, and they're impoverished like most of our world who seeks to escape suffering, which is an inevitability, and lack the ability to deal with it. So what do I offer you this morning as some biblical helps from the scripture? I think the apostle Paul, he says that I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us is teaching us something about the world. He's saying that the world is not quite the way God intended it to be. Another way of saying it is we live in a fallen world. You know, I, I think this is a simple truth, but many of us don't anticipate that that fallenness will happen to us. So here's what happens, right? We see something on TV, and it's happening somewhere in another place, and we, it may even happen in our city, but somehow, psychologically, what we do is we kind of paint ourselves a picture that it happened to particular people in particular circumstances. I am not them. Have you ever noticed that? There's a sense in which, for many of us, suffering is something that we, 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 we hope to project on somebody else and keep away from us. But the biblical testimony is this, is that we live in a world that inevitably will lead to brokenness. It inevitably would create suffering. It is, it is a world that in some ways we cannot escape. And so many Christians sometimes will say, you know, I, I don't know why I'm suffering. I'm trying to live as Jesus wanted me to live. I say to you today that your suffering may not always be on account of your own sin, somebody else's sin, but inevitably it's because the world is not as it is. Sin has broken things. And so we suffer at times. We suffer because we're part of this creation. And Paul would paint for us a picture that that I think uh, depicts suffering and so I'm a little apologetic when I use the image because I've never experienced this but he uses the image of childbirth I've observed childbirth and I know that there's a lot of pain involved in it and Paul would suggest to us that when we live as Christians in this present world with suffering and pain that the reaction of Christians to such suffering and pain is not only personally that we groan but we actually learn to groan for the suffering that we see in our world that the biblical worldview says the world is fallen yes and Christians groan because it is and so a theology of suffering from the biblical witness suggests this to you and me that there are times where we groan There's time where pain is felt deeply. There's times in which Christians need to be unsettled. We we need to have tears. There are times in which, which the right response is not that we treat this issue with explanations, but there's a sense in which all we can do is have our hearts broken for what is wrong in our world. Jesus paints a picture for us that says that the sun shines on both evil and good. There is a sense in which in this world suffering happens not only to some but perhaps to everyone. But not only do we believe that the world is not as it is, Paul would teach us that we anticipate that the world would not always be this way, that God is going to renew things. 
We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up till this present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship. There is the sense in which we live in this liminal space of the already and not yet. We groan, but we also anticipate that God will not allow suffering to have the final word. And in our present suffering, he does not leave us without help. You know, people who suffer sometimes can't pray. When you have deep pain, when something is heavy, when it is really burdensome, have you ever tried to pray in those times? You know, it's just when those good, happy, clappy Christians come next to you and say, just cast it all upon Jesus. And you want to say, in those honest moments... You have no idea what you're talking about. You want to say that deep down inside you, there's something so heavy that right now you can't even get words out to God. You can't even, you don't, you, you, in this moment, you're struggling hard to believe that he's here. You know what the biblical witness says? This is what Paul says. He says, the spirit intercedes for such people who cannot pray in times of suffering. He says, I read one commentator, he says it this way, the spirit interprets your groans He interprets your pain and he brings it in accordance with God's will for all of creation. The Holy Spirit comes and enters into the very suffering we feel. And at times when we do not know how to pray for ourselves or the world or for people we love that we see suffering, it says that we have through Christ not only a mediator, but through him one who stands through the Holy Spirit before the Father and says, Father, take note of your child. Take note of your creation. Hear their pain. Hear their suffering. You know, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We we are we will find moments in life. I hope I'm not being too too honest with you, but there are moments where it's very hard to pray, even for me. Come next election as pastor, I hope you will not hold that against me. But I thank God so much that he does not simply say, endure suffering without his very spirit there with us. In times of suffering, we can pray for a diminishing of our pain. We can pray for the consummation of the age that God would somehow just step in and and, and redeem everything. And we can pray for the healing in our own lives or in the world. We can pray for strength to endure suffering. But I think today, I want to offer you the hope that if you're suffering today, there is a Christ, there is a God, there is a Spirit who understands what you're doing and going through and who intercedes to the Father on your behalf. But not only is the world fallen and we are suffering the consequences and somehow kind of stepping into this hope that even in our suffering, something good will come, I think the Apostle Paul paints a picture for us of suffering that says that even when we suffer, God's redemptive purpose is being fulfilled in us. Seeing a poverty of of suffering um, means that, uh, you know, if if you don't believe it's a part of the Christian life, then it's something you have to escape. But the Christian life seems to kind of uh, be reflected in the life of Christ through the cross. And it says that there are some things that you... You cannot learn about yourself, O oh God, unless you actually go through very difficult and hard times. Now, 
I have to be honest with you. I don't think God delights in bringing suffering about simply that we can grow. But let's take for just on my word that we live in a sinful and a broken world. And so suffering is an inevitability. I see in Paul's words that when he says that in all things God works for good, I think he's having in mind in those very difficult and dark moments. I think we have to locate the scripture within the context in which it was given. I, I, I like to use it for absolutely everything. <laughs> I like it as a blanket statement. You know, in all things, God works for good. So when I'm being a knucklehead, that's all right. He's going to work it out for good. But I think the Apostle Paul is being very specific. He's saying when you suffer, when you go through hard things that you can't make sense of, even there the redemptive power of God is at work. For those God foreknew, he also predestined, he determined that we would be conformed to the image of his son even in the hard times of life. In the present suffering we may learn things about ourselves that we don't learn at other times. You know what suffering teaches us? That we're really not in control. And oh, do we love control. Come on, let's just be honest. Let's just get it out there. Nothing is more scary than being in a situation where you know you have no control of it. Listen, whether it be a terminal illness, whether it be a failing relationship, whether it be a financial challenge, whether it be... There's many ways in which we are taught over and over and over that we're not really in control. And, 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 and when we go through those times, I think that for many of us, the struggle is to try and get back control. But there is a gift in recognizing that we really don't stand at the center of this universe, but we know someone who does. And so in our present suffering, we learn to know who we truly are. I think suffering also teaches us how to become empathetic and gives us the ability and the sensitivity to respond to others who are suffering. Nothing is worse in life than someone who tells you just to buck up and get through it because God is good and they have not experienced what you've gone through. Nothing is more turning off to other people than someone who speaks out of what they have yet to experience. It is not that we cannot encourage people when they are suffering or come next to them when they are suffering, but there is a sense in which only those who understand pain knows that pain sometimes leaves us with so little answers. And all we can do is fall upon the grace of God and the loving presence of those who serve him. It was during the time uh, shortly after my family was killed in the car wreck that the most meaningful friendships I had in those days were those who didn't come in. Whew, man, I think about it even now. And, and you know, there was a few people who said, I, I'm saying this because it's many years removed from it, but some people just because they didn't know what to say, they didn't know what to do with the space, so they had to fill it. They would offer answers that, that, that I, I today look back and I say, I hope I never say that to somebody else. You know, God must have had a greater purpose. Sure. But God's greater purpose was never death. Do you know that? To kind of somehow say that this is part of what God wanted in times of suffering is to diminish the biblical witness. He did not want this. But he gave us freedom and choice. We've made our decisions and we suffer. And yet he's redemptive. He's gracious. 
And sometimes when people enter into these times of suffering with a sense of wanting to fill the gap and not trusting that perhaps the Holy Spirit is present in those times and we do not need explanations other than His care, His grace, and perhaps just a quiet friend, we do more harm than good. I think that when we go through suffering, suffering, it deepens or has the opportunity to deepen our trust in God. You see, a robust faith that no matter what you face and what you will endure is not birthed when everything is fine. A robust faith is the product of suffering. The Apostle Paul would put it this way, that, you know, neither death nor life can separate him from the love of Christ. He says, I, I, I live for Christ and I will die in Christ. And yet the Apostle Paul was beaten more times than I wanted to say I beat my children. That's not true. I, I made <laughs> Some people's getting real nervous. I do not beat my children. At least not twice in one week. I'm just kidding, just kidding. The Apostle Paul, uh, if you read some of his accounts, I mean, he knows suffering, he knows pain, he knows rejection, he knows abandonment. And yet through all the things that he suffered, you see someone who developed a faith that says, even when I go through the deep waters, I know who carries me through. But I think also what suffering does is it produces within us the very character and heart of Christ. For all that we talk about following Jesus, I like to follow Jesus when he's turning water into wine. I'm in. Make some money on that. I like to follow Jesus when he's uh, healing people. Or do, wouldn't you want to be there when he's casting out demons? That'd be awesome. Just gone with you. I want to be with Jesus when he has that wonderful moment of illumination as John the Baptist baptizes him and the Father says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. But do I want to be with Jesus? As the Apostle Paul says, I want to share in the fellowship of his suffering in the one who suffers also. For as much as we can know the miracle working, providing Christ, many of us are yet to know Christ through our suffering. And yet I suggest to you, this is where perhaps we get the most powerful image of God. Let me say it this way. You can be walking with the Lord for many years, and many of your frustrations you've kind of just subdued because God hasn't come through on different things. I want to suggest to you today very humbly that perhaps God is inviting you in to the potential that he has to turn your circumstances of pain into his plan for your life. I preach on this sermon. I chose this text um, a while ago. And since I chose the text in our community alone, there has been loss and there's been joy. You know, sometimes as pastors, you stand right in the middle of both. 
Have you ever known how life can be that way? Sometimes we stand in the tension of both. I think most of our Christian life is lived in the tension at times. And so we do rejoice with those who rejoice, but we also mourn with those who mourn. But today, on this day in particular, I offer you the hope that your pain will not be without purpose when Christ is present. And so instead of your faith diminishing, may it grow strong roots. I say this as a loving pastor to you. If I do not know some of the pain you may go through. I do not know some of the suffering you have endured. But I can say to you, out of my own experience, I have come to trust the Lord in those moments. And I've come to say thank you for his presence there. And so I invite you to bow your heads with me this morning. And to hear the words of the Apostle Paul spoken over you, the church of God, this morning. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? In all things... We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For we are convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, nor neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Father, this morning, thank you for your word. Your word does not return empty. May your word today bring hope and consolation to those who are experiencing pain. May your word today strengthen the faith of your community here today gathered to hear your word. May your spirit encourage those who are in need of encouragement and may hope be present even in the darkest moments of our lives. For we know that in Christ we have someone who has conquered Satan, sin, and death. In Jesus' name, amen.